The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 126 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We've got such a great guest. If you've ever seen the movies uh, The Singles Ward, The RM, The Home Teachers, Latter-day Night Live, uh, Church Ball, so many others, those are all part of Hailstorm, and the hail in Hailstorm is none other than my guest this week, Kurt Hale. He is truly one of the pioneers of what they call the Mormon cinema movement. Uh, he and we had uh, his old partner, Dave Hunter, on a, a few months back, and uh, now we're so fortunate to have Kurt on. He's just the best. Great conversation coming up. And this week in my Latter-day Life, actually, I'll I'll share a little bit of a follow-up on Kurt, a little something that uh, happened after our interview. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, here in the Latter-day Live studios, it is my honor to have a guest who is legendary, iconic and legendary, I would say. Oh, stop right there. Just... No, your name has been brought up so many times on the show, which means I have so many questions so for you. So apparently it's been brought up 126 times because I'm way down your list of guests. <laughs> Dave gave me a hard time about that too, and that's not true. I can show you the list. When I started the show, you were at the top of the list. We just hadn't gotten there yet. But Kurt Hale, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And you know, I've had long hair on and off. You know, when I was in a bishop brick, it was very short, and then I happened to just grow back out. It's just been my thing my whole life. Yeah. And so I could see why that might have thrown you off. Like no. I can't have him on my show. I, I don't know where he is spiritually. We, we have no hair length requirements. You know, and I'm, I am uh, the last one, the last one who would think that. But Kurt, I, know, I have wanted I to have you on the show. And your name, seriously, when we just went through a list of. I swear half the guests who have been on, you've worked with over the years. and, and yeah, a uh, lot of great people. If you yeah. want a primer on Kurt, you could stop this right now and go back to our episode with Dave Hunter, because uh, a lot of Kurt stories were told in that. Uh, this Dave. is your chance to get even with Dave. <laughs> yeah. and to I don't go know if back. you can ever get even with Dave. I mean... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so Kurt is the other half of what Dave talked about. I was the uh, hail. He was the storm. Yeah. <laughs> but I would... I would... <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to put it. Uh, I love Kurt Dave. Hale is the hail in hailstorm of all of the early, what's known as the what, Mormon film movement or whatever it was. You were right there. You started yeah, all we of this. Yeah, were just kind of in the mix of it. So if you've seen the movies, The Singles Ward, if you've seen uh, Church Ball, if you've seen all these, well, and Howdy Town that we were oh, just man. talking about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all of those great early church films and the RM and the Home Teachers and so many more. So we kind of tied up the comedy uh, line of, of the, you know, quote, church yeah. material. You guys were. You were you were the ones. And, and we're going to talk about all of that. But first of all, we got to get to know you a little bit more. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, Kurt. So, uh, and I can pull Dave in at this point, grew up in Southern California. I know you grew up in the Bay Area yep, next to Dave. Yeah. So, uh, 
been going on holiday and, and yeah. vacations. Where'd you grow up in Southern Dave? California? Uh, I was in Lake Forest. Yeah, so beautiful. Right there, my family's still down in Laguna awesome Beach. Place, yeah. And, yep. Um, and uh, what were you into growing up? Oh, just the you know the same old stuff. I you know it's funny. My dad was was a lawyer. He he passed uh, probably nine ten years ago, mm. and you know his his parting sh- my whole life. Well, all you guys should be lawyers. All you guys should be lawyers. <laughs> so my two little brothers are lawyers. I, I took my mom's side, who was a Hale, and went to film school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, man, it's going to be a long road for you. And it's been a long, great road. Yeah. But yeah Before it's... we talk about all the film school stuff, let's talk about the Hale name. Because people outside of Utah may not know the Hale Center Theater and yeah. the Hale family and Ruth Hale. Tell us a little bit of background on who sure. the Hales are. So my grandma, uh, Ruth Hale, and my grandpa, Nathan Hale, um, started the Hale Center Theaters. You know, they they moved to Hollywood. My grandpa was trying to break in. Of course, he was going up against Cary Grant against everything. And yeah. so he wasn't getting any work. And so, you know, the, the legend is, well, if we can't get work, we'll create work. And so they started a theater. My grandma was writing stage plays and selling them. And then yeah. they began producing them. And it is now the longest-running privately owned um, theater stage in America. No kidding. So, yeah. Isn't that weird? I did not know that. Yeah. So years and years and years, and now we have five of them. And it's all, Are there really five? Yeah. There's, there's Glendale, which was the first one. Mm. There's a couple down there. And then, then we've got the Salt Lake one that was... Or the Sandy one that was just built. Which is... giant. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, it's huge. Massive. Yep. And then yeah. the Orem one... And they'll be building a big one down in Orem um, soon. My cousin runs one in Scottsdale. And then mm. my mom runs a summer theater that's on our property at the ranch, at our ranch. And it's just only in summertime. So, I had no idea. Yeah. Yep. And, so, and, and they're building cousin. a new one in Orem? Yeah. Uh-huh. Are they yep. getting... Please tell me they're not getting rid of the old one. You know, with all the lead poisoning and... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's an old, old, old building. And yeah. it's it's it's... You know, and it's funny you say that because people love the intimacy. It's yeah, small and it, it is. it's home. It feels lived in, and there's just yeah. a sort We've of had season tickets there for as long as I can remember. Yeah, my in-laws give us season tickets every yeah. year, and every time I see like they're going to put on this, you know, you're going to see Les Miserables. You got like four square feet yeah. of space, <laughs> and then what they do with it? Yeah, because uh, that's a theater in the round. Are they all in the round? They're all in the round. They're all yeah. in the round. All, the the new Sandy one has a proscenium, yeah, uh, style, but that's not their main theater. I think there's two or three theaters in that building. Yeah, so, yeah. That new complex is it's beautiful, outrageous. Yeah, it is so beautiful, pretty. Yeah. So you grew up with this. Did you when you were young or young like teenager and under? Did you have the bug for theater and film and all that at that time? Not theater for sure. You know, my grandma, and, and it was the family rule, if grandma called, you had to go on stage. And she would call at the <laughs> worst times. And this is, <laughs> true story, this is when it ended for me. She calls me up, I'm a senior in high school, and they they thought they were going to retire from California, and they moved to Utah, and four or five months later, they have another theater going, and it's homegrown, yeah. and... You know, they're calling all the family out. And so she calls me and says, hey, I need you to come on tonight. I'm like, Grandma, I have a, good, I have a date. <laughs> well, come on, just bring her down. It's a few lines in the beginning of the show. And we knew, that, you know, she wrote 90%. They don't yeah. They do not do a lot of her stuff anymore at the theaters. Yeah. There might be one a year. They still do, yeah. 
Um, but it used to be that was all you know because yeah, they're so it was, expensive the license. Her, right. Yeah, yep. it was all her scripts. So she comes. So I'm like, my mom's like, you know, she's my mom's grandma's holding calling. Phone, grandma's calling. Yeah. You know, we don't say no. So I'm like, <laughs> all right. So I pack a date down there. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, uh, this this isn't gonna happen anymore. <laughs> So I go on stage and I'm with, um, and bless her heart. She, I wish I could remember her name. Her name was Julie. Oh, dang. I can't remember her last name, but she went on and did Saturday's warrior on stage. Oh, okay. And you know, we distributed that the hailstone yeah. and, and she was in that. And so it was me and her on stage and I started making up lines. No way. Just to throw her <laughs> off. And she, you know, she's bouncing him back, trying to corral me. And I'm finally, I'm like, man, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? And I look up in the sound booth and my grandpa's leaning halfway out at going, what's going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she recovered beautifully and, you know, didn't derail it it too hard. But that was the last phone call I got from my That was it. (laughs) So, yes, I've been around the theater my whole life. I knew, I just never believed myself as an actor per se, which is, you know, having worked with actors for so long now it's an art form and you really have yeah. to believe who you are you at that moment it. you cannot yeah. fake it or it doesn't work we've had we've had some of the you know what i would there's some very entertaining performers who make for good actors but you don't necessarily believe them but we've had some on here like uh like i would say joel bishop is phenomenal joel bishop whatever that guy does he becomes that role. That's something yeah, real. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. seen that. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and when you can get somebody that does it, it's magic. I mean, it it's is. just... It is. It's, so, yeah. Yeah. So so then you've got... Uh, you've, you've grown up in this life. You get done with high school down in Southern California. Where'd you go after high school? So actually, we moved to Utah. My, my dad was called as a mission president very young. It, like, he was 40 wow. years old. He took six of us kids out. We went to Oklahoma. So that all happened out... Oh, you were in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, which, not awesome. I mean... Southern you know, California to Oklahoma. I'm going to offend a lot of people. I hope you don't have listens out there. What's that? Southern California to Oklahoma Pretty as much. a teenager. Yes. And, and, and Sean, we could spend an hour talking about this. You go out there and you're labeled immediately. I mean, it's you're in the heat of the Bible Belt. Yeah. And you're the Mormon, the new kid that moves in. And your dad, your dad. is like the guy that manages all the kids in white shirts and bikes. And, and, and immediately you become a good athlete very quick just to kind of keep up, <laughs> you know, keep from getting, you know, yeah, just to run every away. Day. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, I look back and, and realize um, the value of it. But going through it, it was not easy easy it was hard and you know i'm I'm gonna give you one other reason so growing up on the west coast there was no yes sir and yes ma'am oh no no i mean it wasn't even part of our culture i I had no idea and i went to a high school and it was an excellent high school but they would paddle you they would they were allowed to take you out in the halls and paddle you for chewing gum and and it took me a while to get the yes sir yes ma'am down because i just i'm and and a little age check because people don't know. This is in the eighties. This is in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, I lived. We lived in Oklahoma. I was. It was sixth grade through eighth grade. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I, I back yeah. away. I have got a little more life under so you my got skin. The, those and I'm experiences. Like, yeah, yeah. It was okay. It was yeah. fine. So you went from Oklahoma. When did you move to Utah? So, so we bought a house again. We were going to move to Laguna Beach um, from the mission field. And then somehow my dad took a right, and we landed in in Utah, and and he's 
started a private practice here and became a judge. And so I moved here when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. And I'm a Utahan. I, I love Utah. Yeah. I love Southern Cal, but you know, my mom, I, most of my family still lives in Laguna beach and my mom's always like, when are you coming down? I'm like, well, when I get a job that allows me to come down for one thing, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> because I don't want to live too far off the coast or yeah. man, it's just yeah. a nightmare. So yeah, we, you know, we're, my wife and I both as California natives, we lived both. You know, we met in L.A., in fact. We were living in, I was in Riverside. She was in L.A. when we met. And uh, she, was, she lived in Manhattan Beach. When I go back, and I'm there every three or four weeks, after a day or two, I kind of slip back into being a Californian. And then I land here, and I go, oh, yeah, that's why I left. Exactly. And exactly. we have a lot of listeners in California Hey, I love California. We both California. love California, so that's not... I'm down there a lot. My yeah. family is still yeah. pretty much sure. grounded there. Sure. It's literally... You've got a lot of work out there. Got some work. Done, so. But man, yeah. I'm with you. You land back in Salt Lake, and you're like, okay. But there are days, right, where you... There are days where I land. I'm in San Diego a lot, and I'm in LA a lot, but I land, and especially this time of year, you land, and it's 60 degrees, I know. and it's sunny, and there's that little bit of light breeze and that... Yeah. California yep. air, it's something. So yeah. the best of some, this is how my mom plays it now. She she lives in Laguna. She leaves like the day after Christmas and doesn't come back until May. Yeah. And then lives on our ranch from May till it gets cold. And then she's kind of smart. Good. She is, has her holidays. And I'm like, man, mom, you it. got it all figured out. That's so, the good life right that there. That is the Kurt. good that's life. That's not bad. Yeah. All right. So so you spend your high school years here in, in Utah. Where yep, were you in Utah? Sandy. We, in yep, Sandy. Okay. Yep. yep. So you spend those years in Sandy. What did you do after high school? So went on a mission. Uh, actually, I went a year at BYU. Yeah. So, I, so, so back to your original question, I picked up a camera when I was a senior in high school. Mm. And, you know, we were toying around with movies and stuff up through that. And uh, I wasn't a full film grom, but, you know, we had our yeah. hands in a lot of stuff. But I picked up a still camera and shot for the school. I was the okay. s- school historian. So I cool. built slideshows and yeah. yearbook and all that stuff. And I just went, hmm, this might be my thing. So I went, you know, to a year of BYU and then went on a mission. Did you start studying home. film before your mission? No. Not uh, at all? Not at all. Just doing generals. No. Where did you serve your mission? So I went, so I sent my papers out of Utah and they called me back to California. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> to Northern California, though. What mission was it? It was the Santa Rosa mission. Yeah, Santa Rosa. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. So. Santa Rosa area and the area that kind of know generally what that mission encompasses is the California that nobody knows. So I was just going to say that. So my whole life, the farthest I'd ever been was San Francisco on a couple of occasions. Yeah. I mean, if there, if there was ever a, a 51, the 51st state of the <laughs> union, it yeah. would be Northern California because yeah. it really has nothing to do with Southern California. Not at all. Especially so. that, you know, Silicon Valley, San Francisco a little bit more. Right, right. But you get up into Santa Rosa, yeah. you know, or you get out to Gold Country, uh, Jackson and Ione and all those yep. places. And So my mission was um, from the from the Golden Gate Bridge north to um, the California-Oregon border. And it ran about 70 mission. miles up the coast. Yeah, that's a big Inland. Mission. Oh, it was awesome. It's been, I think it's been split a couple times Probably. since. But it was yeah. How was your mission? Beautiful. It was amazing. Yeah. It was a great, great experience. Really hard. Only because... You know what they say, you can either learn a language or you can learn the gospel. Yeah. I was kind of set up, send me to the jungle. I want to speak Spanish, you know, get me out of here. And to go back to California where you can hear whiffs of music spilling out of stores and out of cars and people 
who really identify with you, but all of a sudden you're behind this weird sort of persona right. because you got a badge on and you've got um, you know a message. It was uh, it was hard, but the there was a lot of joy in the in the hardness for yeah. sure. For and sure, people saying, "Elder Hale, where are you from? California? Yeah, <laughs> from California. Yeah, yeah, from about seven yeah. hour drive." I will say this: I learned very quick. I'm not a good salesman. Yeah. And if you can sell religion, you can sell pretty much anything. Right. I mean. For sure. But I was a relationship guy. Yeah. I wanted to I talk about their car. I wanted to cut the grass with them. I wanted to hang out on the porch. And hey, if you're finding some amount of joy as a Catholic, I'm not going to step in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah. Mean, and and you were ahead of your time because that is what the mission is now. Kind of, right? You know, when you and I were out, it was, here are six discussions yes, to memorize. Yes. Yep. You start with that discussion and you do it word for word. Here's when yeah. you challenge. Here's when you do yeah. this. And now it's what you were talking about. It's that just go serve, love the people. Love, and, yeah. And yeah. Uh, preach my gospel. So no, oh, love, love awesome. carries the day in, in, in for every sure. facet of that is our existence. So you get back from the mission. Did you come back to Utah? Came back to Utah. Yep. Yeah. What was next? BYU. So next was marriage. So I met a girl... And this is so cliche, and she's gonna she's gonna be embarrassed when she hears this because this is our funny story, and I can't believe I'm gonna tell your your uh, hundred thousand. How many how uh, many people there are, are only, there? Are, there are only several thousand. Okay, uh, all right. Know. Well, I okay. Here yeah. we go. Thousands upon thousands of listeners. <laughs> thousands upon are gonna hear your story. Now. All right, and some of you out there may have had a similar experience, and to me, it was an experience that I could not tell her until we are married for fifteen years. True really? story. So I met her peripherally in high school. She went to Brighton High School. I went to Alta High School. And, you know, these are opposing, you know, these are opposing yeah, things. But as sure. a photographer, I had access to anybody or any, you know, I went to all the sports stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, meet her peripherally. Uh, see her again the first day at BYU in the bookstore. Mm. And, Sean, this is the weird part. I see her clear across the bookstore. She catches my eye. I get a cosmic nudge that says, that's your wife. It literally, and it wow. wasn't me going, wow, she's beautiful. I'd like her to be my wife. It was literally, Just the spirit that saying, is your wife. It. And Hunter has kind of the same experience. I was about to say, I didn't yes. want to interrupt you, but Dave Hunter yes. has the exact Very same Very similar. Thing? Yep. Wow. And so she's, and she's, and I talked to her about this. Um, I said, do you remember that day? And she's like, yeah, it was really weird. I knew who you were, but when I walked up, I knew your full name. And I'm like... Yeah, that was weird. So anyway, you know, flash forwarded and now we wrote through my mission. We get, you know, married a year after. You're that and success story. It's a great success story. She's still the story. love of my life. And it's phenomenal. How long have you guys been married now? So we have been married. You ready? Yeah. 29 years. 29. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? It goes by. We just hit 25 <clears throat> a few months ago. It goes it, by it fast. It goes by so it's fast. Awesome, Here's it's the awesome. best part, though. You're like, we're just we're just getting started. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? This is the I beginning. Mean, she's, she's my best buddy. Oh, she's awesome. so good. But true story, I did not tell her that for... Because I couldn't. How do you, how do you drop that on someone when you're courting him? Oh, by the way, the Spirit told me you're going to be my wife. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, you don't want to, You don't want <laughs> yeah. that to be your opening line. <laughs> no. When when you see her across at the yeah. BYU bookstore, yeah. and she walks over. Yep. And you, 
weird thing. I just felt the spirit and you're my wife. Yeah. 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 And I think people lead out with that. I, I made fun of that in one of the movies. I can't remember which one, but that's, yeah. that's not we a good... We all do. We all do. not a good yeah. <laughs> opener. So now you're married. Quick, young, suddenly return missionary, married and everything. And I'll just say, as Dave tells the story... You guys uh, agreed that you were going to go into film together to film school at the yeah, same time? Yeah, so the truth there is, and Dave blames me for this every time we get together, <laughs> and I love, he's, he's a brother to me. I see him all the time, yeah. and he's just a great dude. But he blames me for pulling him into film school. Yeah, Because he, he was going to be an agent. He, he wanted to be a sports you. agent, yep. and, it was, you know, and he would have been really good at that, by the way. Yeah, he would have been. Uh, and we talked about law a little bit and I'm like, I can't do the law thing. I'm going to film school and you know, I'm a year older in school than Dave. So yeah. I had a year under my belt. He got off his mission. He's like, are you really doing that? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm doing it. And he's like, well, I'm going to do it, but I will only do it if we promise to start a business when I'm done. And I said, yeah. well, well, of course, let's do that. I had no <laughs> intentions of moving back to Hollywood for some reason. I just, that was never a draw yeah. for me. Which, I don't know if that was... <laughs> maybe it should have been a draw. But anyway, so Dave then takes the 10-year route to graduate. Yeah. So I'm forever. working for my father-in-law, and I'm just, you know, getting by. And literally, the day he graduates, we start up Hailstorm. And then yeah. it was Hailstone, and then it was Hail Mark, and then it was Hail Yeah Records. And I mean, yeah. we built this little cottage industry very quickly. And So Dave tells it... The way Dave tells it is that the original idea for Hailstorm was to take your grandmother's plays and produce them into films. Yes. Yep. And then uh, he also tells it that the first six months of Hailstorm, you guys just screwed around and did nothing. <laughs> the first six months, <laughs> the first 10 years. <laughs> I mean, we, we did... A, and you know what's funny? So, you know, my father-in-law is the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. I had a great working relationship with him. He's a, he's a good, good, good friend. He yeah. was grooming me to take his company. He yeah. owns a trunking company trucking that company. does incredibly well. Mm. And I just traded money for fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and make I, movies with my friends. I don't look back at all. Uh, so, What was the first Hailstorm film? So the first Hailstorm film was The Singles Ward. Yeah. And and the reality is, in, in, that, in that independent world, you kind of only have one shot. You go out and blow a bunch of people's money, it's going to be real hard to make another movie. Yeah. And we just got really lucky. John John Moyer, who I went to high, uh, through film school with. Oh, I didn't realize you guys were in film yeah, school together. Yeah. Called, so John and I came up in comedy together. We did stand up. Yeah. He's at a, Johnny B's comedy yeah, club. We were together almost comedian. every weekend. Yeah. I know John very yeah. very well. So yeah. no kidding. We go to films through film school together. He calls me just a couple years later and says, "Hey, um, I know you got something kind of brewing and I know you're working on your grandma stuff. He's like, I have something that you may be interested in looking at. And uh, I said, oh, what is it? And he's like, well, it's a story of my life. And I'm like, dude, we're 23 years old. What could possibly <laughs> have gone on that is so interesting? And he hands me the singles award. Yeah. And, and he'd already uh, been through a divorce and, yeah, and all that stuff. And, and I said, man, let's tune this a little bit. And I think we got a winner here. And, and, and so we got real lucky. It was, you know. Yeah. And the singles ward, I mean, just to set the table for our listeners who may not be familiar, God's Army had already come out. Yes. And God's Army was the anomaly. That was like, I still remember when God's Army, it was like, wait a minute, a movie about us is going to be in movie theaters? Yeah. That was such a strange thing. 
But then the Singles Ward was the first comedy. Yeah. That was like God's Army. I This is going to sound terrible because God's Army is a great film. I always tell people that God's Army was the first film that you had to see uh, about our faith. And then the Singles Ward was the first movie you wanted to see about our faith. <laughs> and I don't mean that to deride, yeah. uh, yeah. you know. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. We... And, but here's the difference. When you say, I've made a comedy about the Mormon faith. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the walls go up immediately. And, yeah. And for a long, not a long time, I think they figured out very quickly that we were pretty harmless. Yeah. But I got hate mail out of the gate. You know, what are you doing? This isn't, our religion is not something to make light of. And I'm like, hey, listen, I hold our religion very close. Yeah, sure. I'm making a lot of fun of our culture our because culture. it is very, and, it, and the, 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 the entrapping is when people confuse the culture with the religion. And so we put a hot light on the culture, as you know, if you've seen of any course. of those movies. Yeah, I've seen them all. But we've never taken a shot at the tenets of our religion or the importance of it. Or, In fact, never. it's ha, 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 ha. And then I always yeah. had a, a moment where yeah. the character needed to arc a little bit and he's he or she is calling back on, you know. Every the, one of them. Yeah. Every yeah, one yeah. of them has yeah. a yeah. conversion moment of yeah. sorts. And it needs to. Yeah. It's the perfect place to do it. You yeah. get them laughing. It's like Disney said, you get them laughing, you get them crying, you get their money. <laughs> <laughs> and we just didn't get the money part, but we got them. <laughs> I went to, I don't know if it was the premiere of Singles Ward or something. I went to one of the big events. You guys <clears throat> were all there. And. I just remember watching it going, this is brilliant. This is lightning in a bottle. This is this shows my lack of vision, I thought, and this will be the last one ever. This is <laughs> yeah. an anomaly. And this maybe it should it. have been. I don't know. And no, because there are some great <laughs> ones that came after. Uh, so Singles Ward, I don't know if you publicly divulge this or not, but what was the budget on Singles Ward? The budget cost, uh, the film cost us $450,000, which was a lot of money yeah. out of the gate. I had never made a movie before. That's a lot of money still. It's a lot of money in an independent film. It's a rounding error in Hollywood. I mean, that's what you're going to spend on craft service. Yeah. But, um, but we were shooting 35 mil print. Yeah, I mean, it was a different world back You're then. You're shooting a full-on film film. In fact, here's the difference. Oh, which, re- and you know, back then, if you're shooting on, you know, film stock, it requires a, two truckloads of lights. Yeah. The cameras back then were different. So here, here's, here's, the, here's the, the sort of comparison. I shoot, I shoot the Singles Ward in 2001, 35 mil print. I shoot... Um, Single second ward, which was my kind of thank you and good night, in two thousand and maybe seven, on digital, and I shot that one for two hundred and just over two hundred thousand bucks, and it's a better looking film. So you made that, and it's funny. How much satisfaction do you get looking at where that cast went? You know that cast is family, kind of, and 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 that cast is famous. I mean, when yeah. you look at the people who came out of that, yeah, yeah. we when you made look a mark. at the yeah. hailstorm, and and hailstorm kind of has this group of actors. I was going to say that, so I took a little bit of heat, but like you use the same people on all your movies. I'm like, yeah, because I trust them. I know what I can get out of them, and they're close friends. Yeah, and I'm not the only one that does that. I mean, no. you look at Tarantino, yeah, and it's yeah. the same all people. Those, I mean, all, all the big directors have their yeah, guys. Yeah, their little stable but of... But you look at where Kirby Hayborn is now, yeah. you know, and he's made a whole life out of yeah. entertainment. My cousin Will Swenson, big hitter back. I didn't know you and Will were cousins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so First funny. First cousin, yeah. He's now a big Broadway Big Broadway guy. guy. Yeah. 
don't forget the fact that Darren Tufts is Therm the energy therm guy. Therm the energy, Therm wise, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you had, I mean, just all these people and, you know, and a lot of them we've had here. We've had Michael Berkland on, of course, and Jeff Burke and, yeah. and all those guys. Great, so, great people. So you make the Singles Ward. Did it surprise you what a cultural phenomenon Singles Ward is? You know, it... No, and I, I still sort of trip over that a little bit because I look at that movie and I'm like, oh man, I would have done that different. Oh, that, ooh, I held on that too long. And, yeah. uh, and so it's a little, I have a little different perspective. Um, but when people continually talk about it, I have, I have little kids come up. And when I say little kids, these are 12, 13 year old people. Sure. Oh my gosh, I heard you made the singles award. I'm like, you weren't even a thought in your parents' <laughs> life when I made that movie. How do you know about yeah. this thing? We watch it all the time. I'm like, where are you even buying it? Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Where are you seeing so, it? Yeah, so, so you're, and you're $450,000 of investment money in. That first day directing, how terrifying yeah, was that? Yeah, so I almost didn't direct it. I thought, man, and you know, this was, this was um, our our mode of business from day one, investors money was sacred funds. It literally is borrowed money and it's our obligation to get that back. And so, you know, they say film business, half of it's film, half of it has to be business. And, and as a result, you'll cut certain corners that you don't want to, and you won't go over time and over budget and you won't get, you know, good set food. I mean, there's a thousand ways to shave edges so that you can make sure they get their money back. Um, and I was scared. And so I thought, man, I better go hire someone to do this for me. Mm. And so I talked to a few guys and I showed them the script and they're like, man, we need to darken this up. This just is, I mean, it's just one rim shot after another. And <laughs> man, there's no heat here. And I'm like, well, this isn't God's army. I mean, if you want a drama, go there. If you want to come eat some popcorn and have a laugh and forget about this thing two hours later, come here. Yeah. And so I just, I interviewed a couple guys and, um, and I was not fresh out of film school, but I hadn't done anything. I was not in the business yeah. until this. And I thought, man, I'm going to do this myself. We're going to fly or die this thing. And, awesome. and I just, Sean, I just got lucky. Honestly, the timing was perfect. Yeah. I, the, I would the take novelty luck out carried of the day. I mean, you had the faith and you had done the work. I mean, you had done all the work beforehand. And so, you know, the fact that it was a first effort, but this kicked off, I mean, I think, historically, I think Singles Ward was more important than God's Army. Because God's Army was, uh, it was a one and done. It was not a film that could be made again and again. But once you kind of kind of found a formula, and I don't mean to say it was formulaic. I mean, there is a hailstorm ethos. There's a hailstorm vision that when you see a hailstorm film, you know it's a hailstorm film. And you and Dave went on a run. That was epic. It was a long run for an independent film company. It was yeah. really out of the norm. Yeah. Because usually you spike, you you know, let's take Jared Hess, another yeah. close friend of mine. You do a Napoleon Dynamite, and then all of a sudden you're called up to the big leagues. Yep. They're like, hey, seriously, you big, go from minor stuff. leagues to big yeah. leagues. Where Dave and I were just masters of the minor leagues, and we ran that sucker for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So, So some of the films... You had the Singles Ward, you had Singles Ward So, two. yeah, this is Singles, we did Singles Ward, we did the RM. Was the RM first, after, before Right after the home teacher. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, right after Singles, the first ward. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the RM was hilarious. 
I mean, and talk about just capturing. And I think that's what was so exciting about it. We were seeing on screen something that was like, whoa, that's me. Yeah. Oh Very my gosh. I've never yeah. seen a character like me. Yeah. Reflect. I remember coming home from my mission. I remember how weird it was and how awkward it was and what do I do? Yeah. And you guys captured it. And that was the novelty that was really carrying the day for us. Yeah. You know, if I were to go out and I have, I have, I'm going to just say two of probably the best LDS material that I've ever written. And granted, one of them is an adaptation of my grandma's. Mm. And um, I would love to do these, but I'm just scared. I don't, I don't, I don't know if the audiences are ready for that again. I don't know. Um, we're gonna get if back. I can get their money back. We're, we're you know? coming. We're gonna come back. We're, we're gonna finish with this because then you're gonna get all of our listeners cheering you on to make the next thing. Please send checks to PO Box fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but this run, uh, we had Jeff Burke on and Michael Berkland separately talking about the home teachers, which the home teachers was hilarious. I mean, that is very You either much, love that one or you hate that one. And that one is very much my my style Very of physical comedy. Humor. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. when people ask me, what was the home teachers? I say, it's Tommy Boy Goes Home Teaching. I mean, it's... Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a buddy comedy. And, and Jeff and Michael are so great. So I great. Mean, so fantastic yeah. in it. Um, then, all of a sudden, it's time to go create our own big league, and it's church ball. Yeah. And let's talk about let's church do. ball. Let's talk about the mistake that church ball was. Okay, I'll let you. It's your film. Okay, you know, so you get to, let me lead out with let's, that. At let's least let's get the backstory on. So church, I'm shampooing my hair in this shower one day, and this concept drops on me. I'm like, everyone loves underdogs. Church ball. Everyone, even if you're not in our faith, you you know you've heard of Mormon church ball and all the, you know, legendary fighting and everything that goes with it. And so I called up Dave, and I'm like, hey what do you think of church ball? And he's like, dude, we could sell this thing on the title alone. So I start digging in and calling my buddies on, you know, writing this thing. And, and it was a far better concept than I think it turned out as a, as a movie. And then we had an investor on the side too, that was a handful. And he said, guys, this has to cross over. I, you know, I want Chevy chase. I Mm. want, um, uh, I can't even remember. He gave us a whole list of guys. B, kind of B at that point. B, B actors. Yeah, sure. Who he ended up with. And f- the second that came out of his mouth, I knew that was wrong. I just went, you know, if there's one thing I learned in film school, it's pick your audience and cater to them. Because they're, that's that's who you're virtually making this stuff for. And I knew if we started crossing over, it would be expensive. It was a SAG production. It was almost. I think. It, I think we spent nine hundred thousand dollars on that show, and I knew from day one there just aren't enough LDS people on the planet to get that kind of money back. And I knew the crossover appeal. You know, to put Gary mm. Coleman and Clint Howard and and Fred Willard, those are all great names, but not enough to put butts in seats. You yeah. know, at nine bucks a ticket or whatever they were back then. So yeah, crazy experience making it. That was a hard film to make. Yeah, it was. Um, was that your most non Latter Day Saint cast for a Latter Day yes, Saint movie? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yes, for sure, yep. You know, it's funny. I just had a memory. You know, we talked about Church Paul with Dave, and I had completely forgotten about this until I don't know why. Right now, you know, I worked on drafts of that. You and probably a hundred other guys. Yeah, I was literally reaching out to anybody that had any. Somebody, yeah, I remember. Ability. I worked on a draft of the script yeah. for a couple of weeks. 
where he was losing his job in a coal mine or something. And the whole coal <laughs> mine was shutting down yeah. and like they were getting together. They were rallying because of the coal mine. Yeah. And Dave is so funny. And Dave was a great partner for this very reason. You know, our, our partnership works so well because he was the business mind and that guy can raise money on anything and yeah. he, he, people love him. And I mean, sure. And I was the creative one. I was yeah. the one that was directing and writing this stuff. And, and, uh, he kept saying, Kurt, you got to get to the games. I mean, we got to get to the underdog story. <laughs> Too much exposition. You got to tie. We just want basketball and jokes. Yeah. And it was just hard because I'm just like, how do I get to that point without building some character development and finding out who these people are so you can care about them? By the way, I love that movie. <clears throat> I do. I still love that movie. You're the one. I, Thank you, I'm Sean. I'm the one. <laughs> you guys had an office in like, uh, was it Troon Park or by Wingers? Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember yeah. going up there for a meeting and I was... I was doing a couple of passes on the script and I remember walking into your offices. I don't know why this is the most bizarre. This is the only part of it. I remember at all is looking around and going, you guys have like no furniture in this office. <laughs> Card tables and I, I just fold out chairs. That. Michael Berklin and I went <laughs> yeah. up and we did a couple of passes on the, on the script. Yeah, that's because Dave and I like to rollerblade back then. And so we yeah. would carve in big figure eights. No, yeah, just I'm all kidding. through the office. We probably just couldn't afford it. <laughs> All right, so let's take a minute, and this is this is the only interview you will ever, ever be asked this. Let's talk about Latter-day Night Live. Let's do that. Let's indulge me. Let's. And let's talk about in... Latter-day Night Live. How did Latter-day Night Live come about? And again, this will be the only interview who ever asks you about this. So, uh, well, let me put it this way. Latter-day Night Live was going to be one of three. I wanted to build this into a series. You know, we had Latter-day Night of the Living Dead. And then mm. Latter-day Night... Biscuit. Biscuit, yes. That's the other one, yeah. Yes. Johnny Biscuit. Um, and you know what? I can't take credit for for the the Imagineering of this thing. I, You know, I knew I had several stand-up comedians, you included, yeah. who were very good at what they did. And I, I remember saying... Um, these guys just have to build a Mormon set, you know, or yeah. you call them sets, right? Or yeah, what, set, just, yeah. and was that something you had ever done before? Were you doing yeah. that stuff? So I had, so I had done some church stuff at Johnny B's only. Okay. It's the only place you could do it. Got it. But they ate it up. Like, so I started writing more and more. And then Michael and I had talked about doing a stand up. Yeah. Straight to video. You know, something. you should, you guys still should because a, you're the talent behind it. I can come mm-hmm. and produce it for you. But you guys are carrying the day, and I think there's an insatiable audience for that because... Did you come up with the idea to do it, or did they... I don't... I think don't it was remember? brought to us. I, I honestly that think was, it was brought to us. That night, uh, for, for a stand-up, that night was magic. The yeah. comics, that, that just the comics yeah. that you got, Jeff and Michael Berkland and Dave Jeff Nibley, Berkland, Dave Nibley and Adam Johnson. And Adam Johnson, who we all kind of hated because uh, Adam had never really done stand-up and was probably the funniest guy up there. So it drove me. I say hated. I love Adam to death. You let you were, you were let out, right? I let out. I was yeah. the first. Yeah. When we needed a strong guy leading us out. We didn't know how it was going to go. So, so Dave actually came and talked to me because we were talking about the order. 
And Dave came and said, you're the most seasoned actual comedian. Yeah, no, I remember and if that. You can if you can kind of nail it, then yeah, maybe the yeah. audience you will get stay. The, get the audience warmed up, and yeah. you crushed it. Well, thank you for making Latter Day Night Live, because as I've mentioned before, it was such a fun night. Yeah, it was a good night. it was kind of unlike anything else. Again, you guys were trailblazers, man. You were. It was, uh, hey, we were throwing anything we could at the wall, and yeah. it's it stuck. So then it all kind of changed. After Church Ball, I think it's fair to say, right, was when yeah, when Church you guys kind of shifted your business. Yeah, Church Ball was, um, you know, just because there was a mound of debt there, and and we knew we had to get it back, and and it's hard to make a movie when you're sitting on a you know a movie before it that didn't pan out. And so I told Dave, and you know, at that point too, so many people were jumping into the market. I mean, there are yeah. there are a lot of movies out there, and and this is know, when it got super cheap to make a movie. Yeah, and and I I don't want to be critical because we've had a lot of them on the show, but there were a lot of bad. No, there really were, and everyone like poorly made. Everyone thought it was us because we were the only name in town, and people go, "Hey, man, that last one you did was awful." I'm like, "We didn't do that one. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to do with us. I promise." So I promise. So you know, the audiences were tiring out, and you know, we take as much responsibility for that as anyone. And like you said, there's a lot of stuff in the market. Um, you know, and I think the novelty money had worn was, off. The too. novelty had worn, and then yeah, we're hitting into the recession at that time. Yep, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I can see a Harry Potter nine, and know they spent six billion dollars on it for nine dollars. Or I can see a Hailstorm film and know yeah. they spent two hundred on it for nine dollars. So I'm gonna go for the bang on the ticket, and I get it. Believe me, I get that. So I told Dave, I said, "Look, dude, we have to do one more, and it's literally gonna be my thank you and good night." And um, I want to bring all of the original crew back and just have a great time in that single second ward. Yeah. So, and to this day, that's one of my favorite. That and Home Teachers. And, you know, like I said, yeah, you either like Home Teachers or you hate it. But, you know, I'm back and forth to LA and I send my reels out every once in a while just for odd things. And I get a phone call. Guy's not LDS. He's like, what'd you spend on this thing? I didn't really, I didn't watch all of it. I didn't get it. But man, you had some serious rigs and some giant, you know, um, d- destruction stuff going on. I said, ah, I think that one might've been 300. He's like, what, how much? <laughs> 300,000. He's like, no, 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 no. I said, dude. So. Yeah. You're blowing up RVs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We destroyed a lot of stuff. You know, we blow something up in pretty much every movie we do. I don't know why. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Probably so, harkens back to Dave and mine <laughs> growing up together. <laughs> so you kind of hung up. I mean, you continued to distribute. You guys became huge distributors. Big distributors, yeah. And there was all that. And and then the last uh, many years, you've been uh, kind of doing the corporate thing. Yeah. So 2008 hits, 2009, you're old enough to know that's when the world I literally stopped yeah. revolving. We had really happy uh, business partners, and I kid you not, over the course of about two days, hey guys, listen, I'm circling my wagons, uh, I'm, I'm taking my money off the table, and for a filmmaker, I mean, that's, that's it's it. all private money. Yeah. And we shut our doors, literally, and it was hard, and you know, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you a, a personal story here, and hopefully I don't go long. I won't go long, no, I promise. No, no, go for it. So I'm in a bishopric at the time, and we are literally losing our house. I'm selling cars. I'm doing pickup commercials. I'm doing anything I can. Because, again, Hailstorm had a, a reasonable amount of debt. And um, 
and we knew some of that just takes time to get back. And then the world stops. And, you know, I can't remember. There's, what, 30 million people that lost homes that year when yeah. the banks collapsed and the whole thing. And I was right in that mix. And this was one of the defining moments of my life because I'm, I'm, I'm in a bishopric. I'm paying my tithing. I go to the temple, you know, every other week. I'm trying to have family night. And I'm like, really? I yeah. get this? This is these are the fruits of how hard your church is. And you know what? And not to give myself credit, undue credit, but I could have left right then. And it would have been very easy because, but I learned something fascinating. I I learned that God doesn't keep a scorecard. You don't get a free pass. The world is hard. We agreed to it. And you know, to this day, I keep going, what was I really supposed to learn from that? And maybe it was just that, that, you know, God is in the details of our life, but he is certainly not managing those details. He's yeah, he's like the adult who's have, you know, a, a neighborhood full of kids in that sandbox out back, and he's watching from the window, and he's like, ooh, there's a sand, you know, there's a sandball to the face. I'm not going to run out and cut that up, but, you know, we're in a sandbox, and a, a loving parent yeah. is just letting us do our thing. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Kurt, that's so, awesome. And this all leads to you spend several years with Vivint. Yes. So I transitioned into Vivint and started doing corporate and commercials. And and then your your kids are suddenly old. Kids <laughs> suddenly your kids are grown up. Yeah. Which means no offense, you and I are we're old men. Not young anymore. <laughs> we're not the young men we were back in the day. And you're now at a time where You've got grandkids. I have two grandkids and one on the way. Your grandpa, Kurt, yeah. which blows my mind. Hey, you know what's so funny? They call me coach. Your your grandkids call you coach? Yeah. Well, I only have one that's old enough to speak. He's a, He'll be three in July. And we were laughing because, Sean, you can... They, they'll call you whatever you want yeah. them to. You can make... Yeah. You, I'm like, your name. Senator? Now that might be kind of hard. <laughs> Commissioner? That'd be kind of funny for me. Com, you know, comrade? And... Yeah. And I'm, and I, we were just laughing about. It. I'm like, how how does coach sound? And and my daughter starts laughing. She's like, yeah, coach is great. I've coach. never coached a thing in my life, but <laughs> <laughs> so literally they call you coach. coach. Oh, I love yeah, it. Coach. I got to start thinking about yeah, pick what a good I one. Really want to be yeah. maybe something military. Um, <laughs> so Kurt, that's awesome. And this, I am glad. Uh, and we should tell our audience, we bumped into each other a few weeks ago. We did. Which is how we kind of reconnected to do this. I'm glad I didn't have you here a year and a half or two years ago. I'm glad you're here now. Because tell us, I, there was when you were talking about this time in your life, when we were together up in Salt Lake a few weeks ago, you have this sparkle right now about what you're doing and where you're going. Tell us where your life is now. So, and, you know, so I've been at Vivint, which is an, uh, it's a, a great company. It's an Huge alarm company. Public it's company. giant, giant. Yeah. One of my best friends built it, and it was just, it was a great run. I built a team over there. Um, in fact, I have jazz commercials on TV right now. I had the jazz contract for four years mm. and got to mix and mingle with all the players, and it was just a great deal. And I could have died behind my desk happily. I mean, yeah. but there's this that gnawing that just like, dude, you're getting old. If you want to make another movie again, you better. <laughs> it's time. And uh, so I called my friend. I said, "Listen, it's been a great run. I'm not leaving for any other reason than just I've got to go chase a couple more, you know, rainbows." And yeah. he's like, "Dude, I can't believe I've had you for this long." And 
and I said, listen, thank you from the bottom of my heart, because literally that's what it was. The, you know, they, that, that was a saving grace. And you know what, too, it, and you know this, it's a little, it's real easy to get a paycheck every two weeks, you know. Where it's you pretty can, nice. It's pretty nice. It's all right. Whereas the 10 years before that, you know, you're like, man, this movie's got to work, or it's going to be a really lean summer, or, yeah. you know, so. Sure. I got really comfortable, and, and, and then just thought, you know, I'm going to go chase a couple more things and, and see what happens. So, so what's next? What's next for Kurt Hale? So I don't know. I wish I did. I'm yeah. in the worst part of the filmmaking process right now, and that's raising money. I've yeah. never been good at that. Dave, bless his heart, I think is just tired of films. Dave made a few films without me while I was at Vivint. Yeah. And um, he's really great at what he does, but he's like, Kurt, you know what? If, if you and I would have spent 10 years in real estate and he's a mogul. I mean, the dude's yeah, a real incredible. estate guy. Yeah. yeah. He's like, if we would have spent 10 years in real, in real estate instead of film, we would be retired right now. And I'm like, yeah, but would we have had so much fun? He's yeah. like, you know, your mark on the world is, well, we're going to, I would just say, Kurt, I am so excited to see what you do and what happens. The other thing I will say, and I will say this, I want to make sure it's recorded because I don't know that we all know, you know, there's there's ourselves and then there's how people are perceived. And uh, Kurt, I have never, ever heard, and we have a thousand mutual friends, I've never heard one person who dislikes you. Oh, wow. And I've never that's... heard a negative comment. You are one of the most trusted, you know, you're a friend and you're sincere to people and what you do. Uh, so I have no Sean, doubt that, that when is... the time comes... I think that you have built up a savings account of trust and capital with so many mutual friends that would do anything for you. So I have no doubt uh, you're you. about to that take off. And so nice. I, I get the feeling that sometime in the next uh, couple of years, we'll be announcing, hey, you got to go check this out. <laughs> Hailstorm you know. is back. <laughs> yeah, it's all back. And I think it's exciting. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, well, we'll leave the Hailstorm name out of it. Whatever now, it but. is, whatever it is you do, I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you, We're going to wrap things up with uh, the question that we ask all of our guests. Oh, no. And do do is, I know what this question is? I think I told you at the beginning. If it's, you could be any... Act, it no. was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, that question is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Oh man, how much uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> That's the great thing about podcasts. Yeah. Got all the time in the world. You know, listen, I uh, I I feel a little guilty because I take way more out of the church than it than I probably should. I, I you know, I I'm calling on God on on so many mm. mundane and trivial things that you know I and. Here, here's the great thing about the church. If you put all the religion aside and just looked at the structure it, it, it is for families and how to, you know, manage your lives and things to lean into and things to lean up, you know, away from, it's just a great organization. If I was not LDS, I would still want to raise my kids in that church. Mm. I would be that non-member that just shows up and is happy to be there. And there's a lot of those. Yeah. And, and we love them. So, I could go on and on, but uh, it's a big part of my life. It really yeah. is. And, uh, you know, yeah, I've, I've been more blessed than I probably should be. <laughs> <laughs> I think you speak for a lot of us when you say that. He is a writer, a director, a filmmaker, a pioneer in the filmmaking world. And a friend, Sean. And he's a friend, which for which I am very grateful. 
And most of all, he's coach. I'm coach. Oh, man. <laughs> he is coach. <laughs> One day these kids are going to wake up and go, why are we calling you that? Wait I'm like, minute, I don't know. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> Can't we call you grandpa? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your life with us, Kurt. My this pleasure. was fun. And my special thanks to my dear friend, Kurt Hale. Uh, he is such an amazing guy. And in fact, this week in my Latter-day Life, it's actually about Kurt. Uh, we recorded and had such a good time, and we stayed quite a while afterward just catching up. Kurt and I have a lot of great mutual friends, and he just he's such a good guy and such an easy guy to sit and hang out with. And uh, one of the things that came up during our conversation uh, was that when my son was about five years old, Kurt and Dave and all those guys, they made a TV show pilot uh, called Howdy Town. And Howdy Town was going to be uh, this this TV show they were hoping to sell. And so they, they made a few episodes of it. And they ended up just releasing it on DVD. There were four episodes, came on two DVDs. And my son Keaton, he is uh, 16 now. When he was five, he, he still loves horses, but he's, when he was five, he was obsessed with horses and cowboys, and he loved Howdy Town, and we watched Howdy Town again and again and again, <laughs> and it was all he wanted to watch. We kept watching it, and we long since wore out the discs, and of course, Keaton's older now, but I think Kurt got a little bit of a kick out of uh, how much uh, my son loved Howdy Town. In fact, I got to introduce my son to Kurt, and it was just a great, great night. But I also shared with Kurt that not only are those DVDs gone, but that I didn't have any copies of any of the uh, of the Hailstorm productions. You know, I didn't have the RM anymore or Singles Ward. How we'd kind of lost them either during move, uh, moving houses, or whatever it was. And uh, Kurt said, oh, you know, I've got got pretty much all of them. <laughs> and uh, we just kind of had a good laugh and hung out. And, and he's such an amazing guy. And the next day, I flew out to Seattle on a business trip. Just It was an up and back. I flew out that morning. I flew back that night. And I didn't get home till about 10.30 or 11. And I walked in and my wife said, hey, go look on the kitchen counter. And there on the kitchen counter was a bag. And as I opened up the bag... There it was, the Singles Ward, the RM, Church Ball, and wouldn't you know it, Howdy Town. It was all there with a note from Kurt that thanked me for the interview and just said he hoped I enjoyed it. He didn't have a copy of Latter-day Night Live, which I still don't have. Somehow I, I don't have that anymore. But to see all those movies that were just so great, that star all of my friends, I mean, it's so many people that have been here on the show, I thought was was just incredible, and it made me so very happy. And one of the things I realized, Kurt's a really successful guy. He's a successful business guy, but he's also just successful in everything that is life. And a couple of things I've come to admire about Kurt, I would say Kurt does what we all think. We've had a few guests on like that. Uh, you know, when we had Ken on, who talked about the chocolate cake phenomenon, how he makes chocolate cakes and delivers them, and just the different things that people do. Kurt is the kind of guy, all of us think it, right? We have someone in our ward, in our neighborhood, in our lives, at work, whatever, they're struggling, or 
they could use a pick-me-up, or we just want to share with them how much they mean to us. And in our heads, we get this great idea of maybe I'll do this for them or I'll do that. And too often, that's where it stops, at least for me. Maybe you're much better at this than I am. But I get these feelings. And I think that Kurt is a doer more than more than just being a thinker. He's a deep thinker, too. He's a brilliant guy. But he's a doer. And, and after this just little conversation about Howdy Town and all these great old movies, and he went way out of his way to drop them off with a wonderful handwritten note, I can't tell you how much that meant to me. It was such a neat way to end my day after a long day of travel. I am trying to be more of a doer myself. I am trying to do more for people. Because as much as it's nice to have good thoughts and to, to pray for people and to think about people, and I would never put that down. The power of prayer is incredible. The power of positive thought. But putting those things into action ourselves and just doing more, getting up and getting outside of our comfort zone and outside of our bubble, because rarely do great things happen in our comfort zone. It's when we step outside of ourselves. And and I think you get to the point where that is your comfort zone. I think that's Kurt's comfort zone. Kurt's comfort zone is making the world a better place and doing good things for other people. And in so doing, he is building up the kingdom of God. And isn't that what it's all about? I so appreciate his example. I'm so thankful for these movies that I can't wait to uh, share. Some of them my kids haven't even seen, and I can't wait to show them. But it means even more to me. Right behind where I record... I have a bookshelf, and the bookshelf is filled with books and CDs and stuff from authors and mu- musicians and artists that we've had on the show. I've got art behind me, and now in this bookcase, I have a big stack of DVDs and CDs from my dear friend Kurt. It means so much more to me that he took the time, and I left the note up there with it because it just meant the world to me. And that's what's happening this week in my latter day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We so appreciate it. The show just keeps on growing because of great listeners like you. Uh, If you know someone who would enjoy it, if you could share it, we really appreciate it. Uh, If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. We'd love to have you follow us. And this past week, we had a few people who uh, shared some of the episodes on Facebook. Thank you so much. It just helps us out a ton. If you think about leaving us a five-star review, that sure helps the show grow as well, and we really appreciate it. Well, that's about all we've got for this week. So until we meet again, there's a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 